You take your Bibles and go with me this morning to Luke chapter number 1. Luke chapter number 1 and we'll begin reading in verse number 26 just to give you the context, the beginning of this New Testament book. Luke gives uh, his credentials and he's setting in order the things that happened and begins to write the book of Luke. And then he tells us and starts with the story of Zacharias and Elizabeth and the birth and uh, of John the Baptist, the amazing conception of John the Baptist. And uh, then he transitions into a message from the angel Gabriel to Mary, uh, the Virgin Mary. And we pick that up in verse number 26 of Luke chapter number 1. And uh, I want to begin reading there in verse number 26, and this is our text for today. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through verses 37. The Bible says, And in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold... Thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Well, I like verse 37. How about you? For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And I'll just tell you, that verse, verse number 37, is a very significant verse in the Christmas story. Today's message is titled this, Christmas Hope. With God, nothing shall be impossible. And we come to this passage of Scripture, and we begin to kind of look into and uh, think about and consider the setting in which Christ was born. I, I like manger scenes, and I think they're great. I think it's great when people have them in their yards, and I like them on communion tables and church auditoriums, and I like manger scenes. I think they're just fantastic. And I think it's a great reminder of the, the heart of Christmas. But I'm often uh, uh, aware of the fact that sometimes that warm, fuzzy feeling you get from that quaint manger scene does not paint the appropriate picture of the setting in which Christ was born. I'm thinking in my mind's eye about a star hanging over a, a shadow-like uh, manger scene and it looks warm and fuzzy. And uh, just sweet all over. And uh, I think the coming of Christ is very sweet. I'm not downplaying that at all. But I'll have you know something. The setting in which Christ was born 
was less than favorable for the people of God. We come to this passage of Scripture beginning in Luke chapter number 1, verse number 5. The Bible says, there was in the days of Herod. Don't forget that. Herod. Now listen, just the word Herod, if we were to know, really know the depths of the despair that Herod had caused on the people of God, we would cringe in our souls. We can't even begin to understand all that Herod did. Herod was bad news. And the people of God were under Roman control and Herod was at the helm and he was one bad dude. He was no good. There's all kinds of stories about the uh, wickedness of Herod. He would murder his own sons. He even murdered his favorite wife because of something she did. Herod, he was bad. He hated God's people. He hated the Jews' religion. And in turn, he hated the God of the Bible, creator God, Herod. Now, this was the circumstances in which Christ was born. Roman rule. 400 years of silence. There's a 400-year period between the conclusion of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament where God didn't speak to his people. It's a dark time. Paganism was rampant around God's people and even among God's people. The worship of Molech had become a common practice. All the study of the Molech is something that's sickening. Molech was a god that people were sacrificing their newborn babies to. Sickening. There was a disregard for life in general among the people of the day. Sexual perversion was rampant and on the rise. Herod was there. Galilee you see, the Bible says in our text, verse 26, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee. That's where Mary was and Joseph. Galilee. Galilee was a city that had a very negative connotation. It was a Jewish city, but the Gentiles had overtaken it. Staunch Jews from Jerusalem hated the, even the word Galilee. They, it was bad. Nazareth. If you want to make matters worse, talk about Nazareth. Later in the scriptures, someone will speak up and say, Has any good thing ever come out of Nazareth? The reason they said that was because Nazareth had been a, become a stronghold, a stronghold, the center of Galilean wickedness. And I'm just telling you that at this moment in history, it was dark really dark. In Luke chapter number 2, we meet two guys, Caesar Augustus. Now look, it's bad to be taxed, but it's awful to be taxed by your enemy. Can you imagine that? We don't like taxes, but we, we should pay them and graciously, and I'm thankful that I drove on a paved road to get here this morning. Thank the Lord for that. But in Luke chapter number 2, there's a Decree goes out from Caesar Augustus about taxing, right? God's people were oppressed by the world. And if you were to look and see what was going on in that moment, you'd think, oh, my lands. Wickedness is winning over righteousness. Ungodliness is defeating godliness. The right 
It's being suppressed by the wrong. And it was a sad day to be a Bible-believing, God-fearing person. It was difficult. It was troubling. If you were a Joseph and a Mary or any other God-fearing person at this moment in history, you'd have thought, my lands. Evil men and seducers are waxing worse and worse. You'd have thought to yourself, I don't know that there's any hope for right and righteousness. I don't know if there's any hope anymore for a family. I don't know if there's any hope anymore for the ways of God. I don't know if there's any opportunity for us to return to this hopefulness of righteousness, clean, purity. It's a dark moment, a dark time. I'll just tell you, the scene in which is sat, set, I should say, the scene that is set in Luke chapter number 1 is a scene that needs a Savior. And that is exactly what God did. God sent a Savior. You see, there's hope in the darkness. There's brightness in the darkness. There's a sweet spot in all the bitter. And I don't know about you, but I look around and I'm not a a pessimist by nature. I'm not. I'm optimistic and believing that the Lord is able. But you look around and you see things that are very similar. It seems like there's no majority at all for righteousness and faith and biblical Christianity in the nation in which we live. We see paganism on the rise, a disregard for human life all around us. We see sexual perversion being promoted and encouraged and excused. And we watch folks who pledge allegiance to a nation that has made its theme in God we trust who hate its core. And often, and in many situations, it seems like we're ruled by people who hate the God of our founding. Now look, don't fall under the trap that says God's dead or God's lost or there is no hope. Because the same scene that we see back in Luke chapter number 1 is a scene that needed a Savior, and the Savior came. And the scene that we see in our world today is a scene that needs a Savior. And I want you to know something. The Bible says He shall reign forever. We still have a Savior. We still have a reason to hope. We still have a brightness in the depths of despair. God's people have every reason to press forward with joy in their heart and peace. Faithfully serving and reaching the walls and trusting the Lord. You see, there's hope for Christmas. Even in Galilee, even in Nazareth. Even for a young couple in a confusing moment. There's hope. There's hope at Christmas. There's something interesting that Mary says. I want you to see it with me in verse 29. 
the angel of the Lord comes to Mary. First of all, when an angel appears to you, you think, what in the world is going on? And the angel says, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And in verse 29, I want you to see what Mary says. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. She says in her heart, my lands, this is troubling. This is concerning. And she begins to cast in her mind. She's thinking. Another place in the scripture, the Bible says that she pondered all these things in her heart. As I've read that this morning and thought about it over and over again, I can't help but think that Mary's question was something like this. God, what are you doing? God, what are you doing? And maybe you're living life this moment and you're battling something, dealing with something. You feel the pulse and temperature of the culture in which we live at this moment. You say, God, what are you doing? And I want to remind you this Christmas season that there's hope. God's word says, with God, nothing shall be impossible. And I wonder if you might just once again put your hope in the Christ of Christmas, in the Savior. There is hope. This passage of Scripture gives us some hope, and there's three things I'd like to share with you. Christmas hope. With God, nothing shall be impossible. Number one, we need to remember this very simple truth. God loves you. God loves you. Now, this is, comes with some depth, and we see this passage of Scripture. We see what the angel says to Mary on this particular day. Look at the Bible says in verse number 29. I'm sorry, verse number 28. The angel of the Lord comes to her and says, and the angel came unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled, his saying. Now look what the angel of the Lord says to Mary. The first thing the angel says is, Mary, I want you to know something. Thou art highly favored. Favored. Now, it's wonderful to look at the Mary, the mother of Christ. And there seems to be two extremes on studying Mary. Uh, there seems to be the extremes where you come to the place where you want to worship her, and then the other extremes where you leave her out completely. I don't even know something. There's lots of room for Bible preachers and Bible Christians to study the life of Mary and take note. She is a great character in God's Word, and God tells her and gives her some things and uses her in an amazing way. And one thing that God says to her not only applies to Mary, but applies to us too. The Bible says, thou art highly favored. I love that phrase, highly favored. It literally means much graced. Much graced. Now, God speaks through the angel Gabriel and says to Mary, Mary, you are highly favored. You are much graced. God loves you. Now listen. Life may get difficult and times may be tough. And you, like Mary, may be saying, God, what are you doing? I want you to remember something. God loves you. You are highly favored, much graced. 
We look through the scriptures and we see time and time again evidence that God loves us. The number one evidence that God loves us. We find in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God loves you. There's hope for you. God loves you. You think, my lands, it's tough out there. Yes, it is. But remember, God loves you. God is your father. He's your caregiver. He's with you. He has a purpose for your life. God loves you. Thou art highly favored. God grants us grace, much grace. Jesus loves you. He says in the same verse, again, verse number 28, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Now, I want to remind you of something. The same promise that God gave Mary is a promise that we have for ourselves. Not only are we highly favored, but we are living constantly in the presence of God. God's with you. Now, every time in the Bible that God wants to encourage somebody, he says, I want to remind you of something. I'm with you. I'm with you. We should take great courage in the fact that God is with us. God is with us. God is present. God is everywhere present. God is with us. He's not only everywhere present, but he's specifically present in my life. I think that's really nice sometimes. God is everywhere present. That's really nice. Great. But I seemed and feel like sometimes I get lost in the everywhere present. But I'm reminded that he is specifically present with me and conscious of every detail of my life. God is with me. Rest in that. God's with you. You see, if we know that God's with us, what do we have to fear? What do we face that's bigger than God? Nothing. God's with us. God is with you. He'll be with you. He'll continue with you. God is with us. You see, in times of desperation, despair, and difficulty, God is with us. Now look, it's simple, I know. But it's something that God has designed to comfort us. God's with us. He's with you. There are certain folks in my life that if they're with me, it takes certain fear away. I remember as a child, I was scared of the dark. I still don't like the dark, but uh, I'm not as scared as I used to be. Maybe it's just because I'm too proud to admit it as much as I used to be. But I, don't like the, I didn't like the dark. I remember as a child, I'd lay in my bed and I was scared. And you know how it is. You, you pull, as a kid, you, you pull the covers up as far as you can. As long as you've got the covers on, it seems like that helps a little bit. But sometimes the fears were too great and... I'd cry out, I'd, Mom, come here, Mom. And it was fascinating. As a boy, I'd be scared to death. My mom could walk in the room. And when she was there, I'm good. No problem. Lay down here with me. And she would. Sometimes I couldn't sleep. We'd go to the living room and sit and watch Nick at night. But if she was there, it's fine. I was okay. I've conquered a few uh, big tasks through the years. And there was a man in Knoxville that I would be willing to take on just about any kind of project, construction project, as long as Jerry was there. Just him being there made it, made it better. His knowledge and his ability, I thought, yeah, I can do this. 
If Jerry's here, I can do it. There's a lot of things in this world that I face, and if I know Ruth's there, we'll be okay. I'm thankful for that. But I want you to know something. There's a presence that far surpasses the Ruth's, Jerry's, Mama's, and whoever's your person. God's with us. I mean, you can watch the news and get depressed and down and fearful. You can watch the stock market and the retirement accounts go and be afraid. But you can be reminded of something. God is with us. You can hear the report from the doctor. Fear begins to overwhelm you, but you'll be reminded of something. God is with you. Are you going to be able to deal with this? Absolutely yes. Are you going to have the grace and strength? Yes, because you're highly favored. God's with you. Now listen. Don't become faithless. You remember this Christmas season. With God, all things are possible. He says, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Look at the last thing he says to Mary in this verse is. In verse number 28, he says, Blessed art thou among women. Blessed. Listen, we're blessed. If you get to the place where you think I'm not blessed, I'll just tell you something. You've got your eyes off of the Lord and off of the truth of the goodness of God. We all have reason to praise God for his blessing. You're blessed. You're blessed. You're blessed. You see, there's hope at Christmas because all things are possible with God. First thing we need to remember, number one, is that Jesus loves you. Number two, here's another hope for Christmas. Number two, Jesus shall reign forever. In the first point, in verses 26 through 29, we see God the Father coming to the forefront and he acknowledges the fact that I love you. You have much grace. You're highly favored. In the second part of this passage of Scripture, verses 30 to 33, we meet up with God the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Bible says of Jesus that he's going to reign forever. The Bible says, verse 30, The angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. Jehovah is salvation. Verse 32, he shall be great. Let me tell you something. He is great. The angel Gabriel said of Christ, he shall be great. Jesus is great. Now listen, if you've not tried it, you can trust in Jesus. He's great. Jesus is great. He shall be great. And the Bible says, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. Not only is He great, He is also the Son of God. He is deity. He shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord shall give unto Him the throne of His father David. Look, Jesus is great. He's God's Son. And He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. When the Bible says the government shall be upon his shoulders in the book of Isaiah, what's that mean? That means he is in control. He is going to sit on the throne for how long? Forever. Look at the Bible says verse 33. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. 
And of his kingdom there shall be no end. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. Folks, it's so easy to get caught up in the moment that we forget about eternity. It's so easy to get caught up in this hour that we forget about God's promises for forever. Now listen, Jesus shall reign forever. It's hard sometimes to fix our gaze towards eternity because of so many things going on. I love life. I feel like I talk about this often, but it comes up in the text often in the scriptures. I love life. I love living life, and quite frankly, I want to live as long as I can. And you should too. I want to live as long as I can. I want to experience all of life that I can. It's amazing to me that in this sin-cursed world, God in his grace and mercy and love has given us so many things to enjoy. Isn't it great? He's good like that. But in the moments of life when I understand how brief it is, when I, in the moments of life when I understand how difficult it can be, and it is, is it not? In the moments of life when I understand that life as sweet as it is at times, has griefs and bitterness to be born, and we suffer loss. Where's my hope? Jesus says, I got you covered. God says, I've got you covered. Here's some hope for Christmas. Jesus shall reign forever. Hallelujah. You know something sweet? I may spend 70, 80, 90 a hundred years under whatever government is present at the time while I'm living and breathing on this here planet. But a hundred years will be a small fraction and a drop in the bucket to the thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years throughout eternity that I will be celebrating, experiencing, loving, and glorying in the reign of King Jesus. <laughs> if you get disappointed about the circumstances of life at this moment, you remember, child of God, that God sent his word from heaven and said, Jesus will reign forever. Hallelujah. And I'll just tell you something I think about all the time. God has given us so many things in his grace on this earth to enjoy. And it's sin-cursed. Just imagine how sweet it will be in heaven. You think you want to stay here. But like the song goes, if you could see me now, to folks in heaven, you wouldn't want to bring them back. When we depart this sin-cursed earth, even with its sweetness and graces and joys, there will be no comparison to what God has prepared for us for all of eternity. Don't forget it. Jesus shall reign forever. The Bible says in verse 3, He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and in case you don't believe him, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Hallelujah. Now listen, Jesus loves you.
Jesus shall reign forever. Here's one more hope for Christmas, number three. God is able. Now, Mary's thinking about all this stuff. She's thinking about all this that the angels just said to her. There's a lot to process, but one thing jumps to the forefront of her thoughts. This angel just said, you're going to have a baby. So she says, "Uh, uh, Mr. Angel, sir. Mary said unto the angel, how shall this be? Seeing I know not a man. How shall this be? I love that question. How shall this be? You think right now, how in the world can I have joy in the midst of the sorrow that I'm going through? You think right now, how in the world can I have victory in light of all of the struggles that are going on right now? I want you to know something. It is possible. How shall this be? How, Lord, can you help me now? How can you help me through this? How shall this be? What hope do I have? How? One thing I love about the way the Lord works is he answers our questions. He answers our questions. So Mary says, now, Lord, I've never been with a man. How am I going to have a baby? How shall this be? And the angel Gabriel explains something to her that we all need to remember. The Bible says in verse number 34, 35, And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. What's the angel say? God's going to do it. In point number one, God the Father comes to the forefront and reminds us that he loves us. In point number two, Jesus, God the Son, comes to the forefront and reminds us that he will reign forever. And in point number three, God the Holy Spirit comes to the forefront and reminds us that he is moving and working and able to do things that are beyond our imagination. The Bible says, The angel answered and said unto her, verse 35, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. I like that phrase, that holy thing. How do you describe him? That holy thing, Jesus, that holy thing, shall be called the Son of God. Verse 36, he says, let me give you an illustration, an example of what God can do. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. He says, Mary, listen. The Holy Ghost is going to take care of you and do exactly what he said he's going to do. He says, if you don't believe me, you need to go talk to your cousin Elizabeth. You know Elizabeth, the old lady Elizabeth? Yeah, the one that's well stricken in years, way beyond being able to carry a child. God's done it for her, and God will do it for you. And he says in verse 37, the angel of the Lord says to Mary, Mary, with God nothing shall be impossible. The angel says, God's done it for Elizabeth. God will do it for you. God does things that are impossible. Now look, what are you looking at? What are you facing? Listen, there's hope for Christmas. Why? Because God is able. God is able. You know, sometimes in our minds we think, I know God can do this and God can help that person, but this thing I've got, I don't think God can do anything for it. 
Don't be deceived. God is able. Don't be deceived. God is able. God is able. God is able. God is able. God is able to heal the relationships. God is able to give you peace in the midst of life's storms. God is able, and you can trust him. You see, there's hope this Christmas. The scene that we see at the very first Christmas was one of despair. But God sends a message from heaven that he loves you. God sends a message from heaven that Jesus shall reign forever. And God sends a message from heaven that he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all you could ask or think. God is able. Put your trust in him this Christmas season. If you're here today and you've never been saved, God is able to forgive your sins and give you a home in heaven. If you're a Christian today and you found yourself sucked into the despair of the moment, oh, have faith and believe and know that because God sent his only son, we all have hope. You see, there's hope this Christmas. What is it, preacher? What is it? The angel of God said, With God, nothing shall be impossible.